Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. And we're at the DevOps Enterprise Summit, sponsored by IT Revolution Press, in, uh, of all places, Las Vegas. So we're enjoying a beautiful uh, desert uh, cold day. And we're sat on the 15th floor of a hotel here in Vegas. And uh, we're enjoying talking to lots of different folks who are here at the conference. And they're talking to us about their books. Jeffrey, who have we got today? We have Mark Schwartz, who uh, is here. He's a former CIO, current enterprise strategist at AWS, where he uh, helps people with the kind of problems he talks about in his book, which is war and peace and IT, business leadership, technology, and success in the digital age. Uh, Mark, can you tell us a bit about what's this book about? What's the problem, really, that led you to feel like there was a, a book that needed to be written, a, a problem that needed to be solved? Well, the, the key problem that I have noticed, and I think a lot of other people have noticed, is the typical distance between IT and the rest of the business, what, what's called the business in quotes <laughs> in most large enterprises. I keep trying to meet the okay. business, and I never find them. <laughs> I don't know who they are. Uh, I can't figure it out. It's a little bit strange. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think I understand historically how this kind of relationship developed, but if you think about it, Nobody talks about finance and the business or marketing and the business. Right. Uh, but you got uh, a CMO, a CFO, and you have a CIO. And uh, the CIO is in a position of being in something that somehow is different from the business. And um, the result of that uh, is that you, you have a, a very um, not lean process. You know, whenever you have a mm. handoff from one silo to another, it makes your process uh, wasteful. And here, because IT and the business are different things, they're communicating at arm's length. There's this arm's length handoff. And uh, that makes it very hard to fully deliver on the promise of DevOps, which is these fast, you know, fast cycle times, essentially a very lean process. So that's the challenge that I took up. Hmm. Um, the, the book came out of my, my previous book, uh, seat at the Table, which was written mostly for people in IT leadership positions discussing these same things. Mm. And uh, what they often said is, that's, that's great that, that we should dissolve this divide between IT and the business, but somebody should tell the business. So, uh, <laughs> so that's why I wrote this book. That's, so this is aimed more at the business rather than the IT leaders? It's, it's for the business, yes. Right, okay. And uh, essentially it's a guide to how you should work with your IT organization if you are the business mm -hmm. and, and why this arm's length relationship just doesn't work so well. Right. And so I can mention in the book, do you kind of just describe from the IT point of view, like just so you know, business this is what this is what you do to us today you know it's funny uh, that was my original idea for the book and then as it developed um, I realized that what I really wanted to do was tell the story from the business's side you I know see. here's here's what you're trying to accomplish and here's the best way to get it okay and, yeah well that's great uh, and so I, I think as far as you mentioned you and I are talking about where where is this business even in small organizations uh, this can be problematic. Absolutely. I work in startups. Sometimes the business is three people and they're right over there. <laughs> they got exactly the same problem yeah. as when it's 3,000. Right? Yeah. It's just, I, I think uh, enterprises have history. They have a legacy. And uh, that legacy has become embedded in a lot of their processes and a lot of their culture. And so it's very deeply etched. Mm. And so we talk a lot about digital transformation. That's, mm. that's often what I'm discussing with our AWS customers. And um, you know, businesses are uh, 
or large enterprises are struck by how much effort there's going to be in transforming. And they're worried that uh, they don't have the right culture for DevOps and the new things they're trying to do, that their people don't have the right sets of skills. And uh, again, if you step back, this is it's kind of a funny thing to be worried about because of course you don't have the right culture and the right people <laughs> skills because you've been doing it differently in the past, right? right? So your culture has formed around the way you've been doing things. And obviously it's gonna have to change if you're gonna do things in a new way. And your people have the skills that you've asked them to have and, yes. you know, in order to do what you're doing today. So obviously they don't have the skills for the future. And so any company that's waiting until they have the right culture and the right people skills before they transform is going to be waiting forever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you've got to make it part of your transformation is to get the right culture and, and the right skills. It's an output, not a prerequisite. Right. So, and it's something you got to work through along the way. It's interesting. It's, as far as a starting point for, for where you, where people are coming from, you you were telling us a bit about an experience you had where you were with a, a group that ex embodied this, where you were CIO, and and then the acquisition process, trying to service the business, felt more like a, it sounded like more like a, a putting out a bid to a, an external contractor rather than someone internally. Can you tell us yeah, more way, yeah. about that? Uh, it was it was fascinating working in a government agency because uh, not because it's different in kind from uh, commercial businesses, but because it's usually so extreme. The government tends to, mm -hmm. to be very extreme. So where uh, lots of commercial enterprises probably have a well-defined software delivery lifecycle or, or um, IT investment oversight process or something. The government has it defined precisely and in great detail in policy. You know, it's it's not it's not really different. It's just a little bit more extreme. So uh, you can see more clearly what the dynamic is sometimes in the government. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, our famous MD one hundred and two Management Directive one hundred and two, which was the rules around how you do an IT investment. Okay, and it essentially said that uh, to do an IT project, you had to write about 104 documents, some of them, you know, hundreds of pages long, and you had to pass through 13 stage gate reviews. And, oh. <laughs> you know, it, it had this very well-defined process. And right. if you looked at this process, there was this huge upfront part where the business was trying to build a business case for their IT system and put together a set of requirements. And then there were gate reviews to make sure it was a well-defined set of requirements. And then the IT organization had to come back with a project plan and estimates of when it was going to be delivered and costs and so on. Uh, so when you look at that, it's it's really, in a way, the process of contracting with an outsourcer, right? You, yeah. you say you define a scope and you you ask for a bid and a price and then you negotiate that and then you try to hold them to it. You know, right. so that's that's the uh, mechanism. And uh, so I realized that a lot of IT delivery life cycles are based around this arm's length contracting sort of relationship. And um, the thing about um, DevOps, this is a DevOps conference going on here, um, it tries to get you very fast, very quickly from when code is written to when it's deployed. But if you think about your entire lead time, the lead time from concept to cache or from a need to a deployed capability or whatever it is, um, very little of it is actually the technical part. Most of it is this upfront, you know, business writes a, a contract with IT part of right. things. 
Um, so if you really want to get that fast lead time, you've got to somehow address that part. And that's, that's really what the book is about. I see. So your value stream map, you know, and essentially starts back here at the project conception. That's right. And, yeah. Uh, because that's, that's what you care about ultimately is how long it takes you to get from the need to the fulfillment of the yes. need, right? Because it's a need. I mean, need is a, a strong word, right? Yes. Um, and some of our listeners time. may not be familiar with a value stream map, so we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about that lean lean startup concept, yeah, uh, we'll certainly yeah. Uh, provide more more links. Well, a quick a, a quick way to think about it is if you if you start from that need and you go through the process until that point of delivery, and you look at all the steps in that process, that's what makes up your lead time. Mm -hmm. That's your value stream map. And you can look at each step in that process and say, how can we make it shorter or eliminate the step? Mm -hmm. And I contend that a lot of those steps are there because of this distance between business and IT, where you need to forge a, a, a well-defined contract between mm -hmm. the two. And I'd, I'd put that down to a, a to a situation of low trust. So low if trust we, if we use the concept from our book, of, uh, uh, that you have to start with trust. It, it sure seems like that's an environment in which there's zero trust because we're waiting for this detailed contract <laughs> and paragraph 72 is going to tell me what the feature is. Well, I, is think that you're, right? I think you're right that it comes from a position of low trust. But uh, I also think that if you're doing things the right way, you don't, you don't need a lot of trust. Mm. And uh, the reason is if, you, if you're going to do a big waterfall project and it's going to take years for IT to deliver, you need a lot of trust right, mm. that they're going to deliver. If, on the other hand, you, you shrink this process down to almost nothing and IT starts delivering tomorrow, you don't need to trust them a lot because they're going to start showing you results tomorrow, right? It's a way of minimizing the amount of trust you need. Uh, but a lot of people don't think of it that way. But I, I think that's the end state that we look for. But so, so let's say I'm your, your target audience here. I'm, I'm, I'm the business in, in a large enterprise organization. And Jeffrey really is, by the way, yeah. so he, <laughs> in part of his role. Well, yeah, although not, not that large an organization, but Indeed. yes, it's a, a head of product. And I now I'm, I'm, I've read the book and I'm, I'm excited. I want to go do things differently. What, what, how does my, how does my day different? I got, I came up with, I just came up with a project, Mark, you're, you're my, you're my CIO and your book has told me how I should engage with you most effectively. What, what do I do? I assume I'm, I'm not going to write detailed contract level documents. It sounds like that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, you probably don't want to. Mm -hmm. for, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you probably don't want to to get the result that you want, mm -hmm. which yes. is that you want to get a product to market. You want to make sure you meet your business objectives. Um, so we, we uh, devised an approach. I think there might be other ways to do it, but, mm -hmm. but uh, let me explain how the approach works. So the idea is that the, uh, the business as a whole decides on an objective or a set of objectives that are business objectives. Mm -hmm. we, we need to grow revenue. We need to grow the market share, whatever, whatever it is. Yep. And, and how would I recognize one of those? And I asked that for a very particular reason. I had about a half hour argument with a prospect this morning, someone I wanted to sell my services to. They couldn't tell me a business objective. They kept telling me yeah. we want better leadership and we want to deliver on time and so on. And I kept saying, so what? Yeah. Jeffrey so uses what? the five so what's. I was very yeah. useful. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. So, and, so and what's a business objective? How, to, exactly. To defining one. Because yeah. you keep saying, I want this feature. I want this thing. So yeah. how, how do you define? Uh, well, how do you I, know one when it's I, in front of you? Typically, there's a set of questions I can ask somebody in that situation to try to surface what the thing is, mm -hmm. right? So um, what what is the board asking the CEO for? This is one I yeah. love. Yeah. What do they yeah. care about? Uh, what's on the CFO's mind? What is the CEO telling the CEO? You know, there are um, 
because those are all effectively the question mm -hmm. that matters. Um, so, so once we found some business objectives, what do we do with them? Objective, and then the idea is to uh, make a cross-functional team. DevOps is all about cross-functional IT teams. Mm. What if you have a cross-functional team that includes the business functions as well? So mm -hmm. you have a single team that is technical and business focused. And it doesn't have to be some of the people are technical, some of the people are business, because we can have generalists. We could, you know, we could have T-shaped people. Mm -hmm. um, so a team that has technical and business skills, give them the objective and ask them to start producing right away against the business objective and measure progress and, and you know, take the learnings from it and adjust course. So there's no need to write requirements. In fact, in a, in a way, writing a requirement is adding a new risk, which mm -hmm. is the risk that that requirement might not accomplish the business objective. Mm -hmm. right. So let's not do that. Let's take the business objective, have a good way to measure the results, and have the team start working on it. And with DevOps and with the cloud and, uh, and contemporary IT ways of doing things, they should be able to actually influence outcomes pretty much immediately. They should be able to start deploying code or changing business process, whatever it is. And they can uh, formulate hypotheses about what might accomplish the outcomes, test those hypotheses, commit to the ones that seem most, uh, are going to be most successful. Um, there's no need to have this long contractual step. What you've got is the, the entire business, not business and IT, but you know, the business, which is IT, <laughs> um, working as, as a unit against a business objective and right. not against a set of requirements with a defined project plan. Mm -hmm. It reminds me very much of the briefing yeah. that we talk about uh, as in, uh, in briefing and back briefing, which is that you're focusing more now on alignment. You know, we have the objective. Now, how do we align people? And we, we talked about this in our podcast. We had an episode. Multiple episodes ago. on this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where, where a briefing would say, here's the objective and also here are the constraints. Yes. Uh, and that's often an important part. Uh, of, you know, what are we allowed to do? You don't want them to point out, oh, great, we're going to go, you know, uh, spin up a, a 400 person team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but well, you, you we'll probably... give away the product. That'll be a great way to have more users. Yeah. <laughs> yeah usually yeah, that's right. That right. doesn't go over very well. Well, um, there might be interesting approaches. So I, yeah, I well, you, you want to give constraints that are meaningful. Yeah. So that people can come up with ideas to meet the constraints, but, but you don't you, want them violating the constraints. Right. First of all, you have a set of constraints that are automated, right? Your security guardrails and things like that. And there, it's impossible to go outside of those constraints, mm -hmm. right? That's just part of your, your environment as you've set it up. Then there are constraints, as you say. But another approach possibly is incentivizing the team based on the, the real outcome that you want. So uh, you can talk about not just DevOps and DevSecOps, but uh, FinOps, you know, mm -hmm. is, is the team going to be responsible for the financial impact of what they create mm -hmm. and the costs that they're trying to manage uh, and so on? And, and maybe yes, maybe no. You know, yeah. uh, I haven't seen it tried enough to know whether it's effective, but that's another way to, to constrain without constraining, right? Here's your goal is to have a good financial outcome. Uh, but I'm not saying exactly uh, how, how fast your microservice needs to execute and how much cloud capacity it's going to require. Makes right. sense. And how does the team uh, become accountable for those things? So if this would be the back briefing part, yeah. how, how would the team say, here's what we're going to do, here's our creative way of meeting the constraints and the, and the requirements? How, how would you handle that part? Well, I, I think uh, transparency, obviously, is the first thing. You, you need One of our favorite Everybody words. needs, yeah, everybody has to be looking at the same readout 
of, of what it is. Uh, and then there is um, vision and incentivizing that comes from somewhere higher in the organization, right? So somebody is setting the parameters, uh, defining success, defining the objectives, and that is, there's no magic formula for that. That's the art of leadership, I think, mm -hmm. is formulating those things, finding okay. the strategy, translating it into the goals and the constraints and so on. And that can also benefit by a, a good feedback process. You know, mm -hmm. uh, at that level, maybe you're setting the objective that the team is going to work against with some hypothesis that without objective, the company's ultimate goals are going to be satisfied better. And then you try it and you see whether it is actually satisfying, you know, increasing uh, shareholder value or whatever you care about. And based on that feedback, you adjust what goals you're setting and, and so and on. And so there's a crucial piece in there, which sounds like it's the people you were writing the book for should really be listening to this piece, which is they have to be accessible. In other words, you have to be able to go back to that stakeholder, that person who set out the parameters and is going to be measuring it. And you have to say, hey, Jeffrey, you said we we're <laughs> supposed to do this and we did this, which is a little different, but it had this outcome. Right. And we have to hear something from you. I, I don't work in large organizations often, but I've been in one recently where that's impossible. Yeah. The people are in another city. They don't listen to you. You get eight minutes with them every three months. I, it sounds like you would be telling those folks not to do that. Uh, well, I, I think some of that information can be conveyed by the results themselves, mm -hmm. right? So they learn from what results they're getting. But I, I also think, uh, yes, uh, wow, I, I guess you guys are probably writing about this too, but uh, we, we base that whole process on, uh, on conversations, right? So uh, the idea was we would, we would set the team loose and we would say the metric is 70 now, make it go up to a higher number. Mm -hmm. And by the way, every two weeks, we're going to sit down with you and have a conversation. And this was uh, actually me, the CIO, and the head of the line of business. So ah, it was so a fairly high level. At the government agency you this were telling us about before? Agency. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Tell us how that came out. Um, and it was great because every couple of weeks we could sit down with the team, look at the dashboard together, and also say, what kinds of things did you do that affected the numbers? And what kinds of things are you thinking about doing next? And what impediments do you have? And, you know, let's, let's just have a check, you know, short check in, very short. Mm -hmm. and understand where things are and whether we can help you. And That must uh, have been a real cultural shift if they're used to writing loads of documents. Yeah. And, uh, uh, how did that go over? An awesome one, right? Because it was just taking hard work away from them, and um, they could feel rewarded for the stuff that was, uh, you know, that they were doing. And uh, they could also feel rewarded for the places where they weren't necessarily getting good results because we could say, what did you try? Oh, that made sense. And okay, you didn't see the results you thought you expected from it. Uh, why do you think that is? Let's, let's brainstorm a little bit together. And uh, the really powerful thing that that enables, which, which I haven't really talked about, is you can uh, just keep evaluating what's being done versus the results coming, you can see when they're diminishing returns against this goal and you can say, you know what, let's stop putting money into this. The team is trying all the right things. They're not getting the impact. So we think maybe we're not gonna be able to get the impact. So let's, even though we were planning to spend $10 million and we've only spent $4 million, let's just stop investing. Now <laughs> stop, we can stop being early as a win. Yeah. Exactly, put yeah. $6 million someplace else yeah, to totally. higher value. With, yeah. without, it, without, without waiting two years. You know, without saying, team, you, you didn't do your job. You know? yes. yeah. Well, we've been talking to you every two weeks. We know what you're doing, you know, and, and you're doing things that, that are perfectly reasonable. We're not getting the outcome that we were hoping for, but you know, that's, that's life.
Fantastic. Yeah, well, this is very exciting. I've, I've been in, involved in Agile stuff basically since 1999, so about 20 years now. And I, I think uh, I've seen this con constant migration of the, the number of people, that the, the number of uh, silos that you're spanning in Agile has just increased over and over. And so it feels yeah. like at this point, if we're if we're reaching out to the, to the customers and we're going all the way back up to the business at the uh, C-level, mm -hmm. you know, we're really starting to get everyone involved. And that's yeah. very exciting. DevSecFins, Chief Customer Marketing Ops. Great. Yes. Okay. Sound, sounds like a title for the podcast. Yeah, it continues with the theory, right? The theory is you, you got to get all those people working together so they share the a goal yeah. and also so you don't have that waste of tossing things between silos. Well, it turns out that the biggest toss between silos, I think, and this is what my book is about, is that between the business and IT. Yeah. And so you have to put them all on the same team. That's the only way to do it. Makes sense. Well, Mark Schwartz, thank you very much for coming. We appreciate it. Mark Schwartz's book is War and Peace and IT. There'll be a link to that in the show notes below. And if people want to get a hold of you, Mark, how, what's the best way for them to, to, to get in touch with you? Oh, LinkedIn is really good. Um, or Twitter. Um, I am Schwartz underscore CIO. Excellent. We'll, we'll put as much as we can find in the, in the, in the show notes so people can find you. Cool. Excellent. So uh, thanks for listening to us uh, interview Mark. We'll, I'm sure, be uh, talking to more interesting folks, including possibly from the DevOps Enterprise Summit, where we are today, enjoying Las Vegas. Uh, we certainly like it when listeners get in touch with us as well. That's troubleshootingagile.com, newly renovated, so a beautiful <laughs> new design, not due to us. We hired someone to do it, but uh, you can find us with email and uh, Twitter and all the other good things, Carrier Pigeon, anything like that. And uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast, which we really like. We come out every Wednesday, and uh, we now have, we're 600 strong, I think, now. So uh, we're continuing to grow, and um, please subscribe to us so you can hear us and uh, more interesting interviews, conversations, war stories, and other fun things from the world of troubleshooting Agile. Thank you, Jeffrey and Mark. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Will.